Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Ladies Talking Leaves, episode number 20. I'm Chris. And I'm Syl. We got a great show coming up. Uh, to start off, we want to wish all the dads a happy Father's Day. Woohoo! <laughs> That's right. Yes. A shout out to all the dads out there who are going to be celebrating next weekend. Yeah. Yeah, because we forgot Mother's Day last time, so we have to remember the dads this time. <laughs> Anyhow, we have a couple of uh, Leafs Marley's news items to get to. Uh, both are related to the goaltending. First off, the Marley's signed goaltender Luke Cavillan, who's 21 years old, never drafted, and he played his final and OHL season last year with Flint and led the league in wins with, with Flint. So yeah, the organization appears to be loading up on goalie prospe prospects because um, the Marlies also signed back in April. We missed this one, maybe because it, we are headed into the playoffs there. But um, Dryden McKay uh, is who they signed back in April. McKay played with the Minnesota State University and received the 2022 Hobie Baker, Baker Award, which is awarded annually to the top U.S. collegiate player. So hopefully... One of these goalies that we have in our system will pan out in the future. <laughs> yes, no doubt. Uh, I think that they're realizing that uh, it's obviously a really, really important uh, position. Uh, and and the organization has not really put much effort or emphasis on that, uh, as we can see by our lack of prospect depth. So yeah. hopefully the fact that they're adding all of, all of these uh, goalies, uh, one of them will work out. Yeah. Uh, another bit of news related to the Leafs goaltending is the departure of goaltending goat coach uh, Steve Briere after seven seasons. And I think we discussed this a little bit on uh, one of our previous episodes that, you know, when we were kind of breaking down what some of the problems could be. And, and I think we brought up that, you know, they need to maybe look at the the goalie coaching, because if we look at what's happened with our goalies over the last, you know, two or three seasons, um, you know, yeah. That's probably maybe the fr kind of fresh fresh start we need uh, as an organization when it comes to that uh, position. Yeah, and I guess some organizations too are kind of creating like a department of goaltending, and um, yeah. so the Leafs. I mean, they always seem to be adding staff <laughs> to to try and uh, help the situation. So they might get into like a director of goaltending, someone who oversees as a whole. Um, area somebody who oversees the development and coaching of goalies and yeah uh, actually we yeah. were talking a little bit about this off air and you mentioned Roberto Luongo and uh initially he was signed up uh, to become the special advisor to the GM but they they actually have um 
uh, set him up to oversee a newly established goaltending excellence department. So I think that's what you're kind of hinting at. You're thinking that yeah. that might have been the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mind you, it's, go- it's going to be tough to hire a goalie coach, they're saying, because we don't really know who our goalie is going to be next year. So anyhow, um, there's g- it's a lot of focus is going to be on the goaltending, that's for sure, uh, going into the offseason. So uh, before we get into the show, just a reminder to check out our website, ladiestalkingleafs.com, where you can find out more about us and our show. And we also have a new book review that we put up there in the blog section on uh, Rick Vive's new book, Catch-22, which was released in December of last year, I believe. And uh, after reading the review, you might want to get the book as a gift for Father's Day. There's still time. Um, and uh, Or any special occasion coming up for any Leaf fan or a hockey fan from the 80s. It's a great book. Definitely. So we also want to give a shout out to one of our Instagram followers at DJ underscore D Stu Derek sent us a message to let us know that he enjoys listening to our show and he gave us a five star rating on Spotify. So thank you yes. so much, Derek, for that. Thank and you. and we would really appreciate reading receiving more ratings and reviews. And it's easy to do on Spotify and Apple and if you and it it will help us out and get us noticed as a source for leaf content. So now it's time to get into the show, starting with the NHL draft and what the Leafs could be looking to do with their three picks. We're also going to look at a few Marlies players that could push for jobs next season. And in our third period segment, we have a very special guest, Mike Ogello, a.k.a. Mike in Buffalo. We talked to him about the Leafs offseason and what moves could be made and some very interesting discussion that you won't want to miss. So without any further ado, let's talk Leafs. All right, so the NHL draft, uh, it's going to be held at the Bell Center in Montreal on July 7th and 8th. And um, for the most part, uh, we I looked up some of the, uh, I guess, previous years under Kyle Dubas as to what they've chosen. And most of the, most of the time, they've, they've chosen forwards on and a bit on the smaller size. So um, will they go in another direction? Well, there's lots of possibilities, um, both, both this year and next. Uh, it's supposed to be very deep drafts. Uh, the Leafs could keep their picks or they could be making, decide to make a deal to move uh, down in the draft and get more picks if they feel the player they are targeting would still be available. Uh, right now, the Leafs have three picks in this year's draft, a first, a third, and a seventh round pick. And Chris is going to dive in and give some info on the dis- possible defensive prospects that the Leafs could be looking at in the first round. Yeah, so it was funny, actually, when I looked it up, um, the two that I end up cho- choosing are basically about the same. Um, but uh, but one is a North American. Uh, he's Canadian. Uh, Tristan Luneau is uh, one that um, I guess the Leafs are picking 25th overall in, in the first round. So these are these couple of picks are uh, in and around that that area. And um, he's the scouting report has him as number tw- I guess listed as 24th in NHL rankings. Um, so He's apparently he's a great skater. The speed allows him to push push the pace offensively and he still gets back defensively. So that's good. Obviously, he wins battles along the boards and in front of the net. He's known for his offensive game uh, and he can quarterback the um, he quarterbacked the Gatineau Olympics uh, power play. That's uh, he played in the QMJHL uh, this past season. So he has a strong all around game, but 
the issue that they say is there's still there's not one area that where he is elite. So I guess that's what NHL teams look for is to say that he's like there's one spot that he's really particularly good at. But um, yeah, so uh, he's he's a one good prospect around that number 24, 25 spot. And then the other one, which actually the Leafs actually um, spoke to him at the uh, fill it in the combines. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> he filled, he uh that the Leafs actually spoke to this player, Callie Odelius. He's a left shot D, um, six feet, 188 pounds, uh, and he played in the Swedish Junior Hockey League with Der Jurgarden. I think it's Jurgarden. <laughs> okay, yeah, Jurgarden. <laughs> Help me out again there. And um, yeah, so he was ranked actually 16th in the final ranking of European players for NHL Central Scouting, and um. Yeah, I I think he was very similar when I would read the scouting report on him. He he's very quick at the transition from offense to defense and vice versa. He has good hockey hockey IQ and excellent vision. The one thing they said that he could work on his shot and he's not he's not um his defensive side of the game is not great and and he needs to grow physically. But uh he's he is um I guess a little higher in the ranks um, as opposed to Tristan Luno, but um, yeah, but he, his projection is both of them actually are projected to be a top four NHL could possibly be a top four NHL defenseman. So um, I mean, it's hard. It takes a long time for defense to, to develop and being at number 25 at the bottom of the first round, like it's hit or it's probably hit or miss as to which one is uh is is going to be the the better choice but um yeah those are a couple of the defense prospects i i looked at what did what did you choose okay, so, for the forwards yeah so my job was to look at uh at forwards so um basically i i concentrated on a couple of needs that we have and the first one being our need for center depth i think uh the playoffs prove that we are a little long in the tooth when it comes to to center and of course to um Tavares's game is kind of changing so he potentially is going to be moving at to the wing at some point if not even this year so uh the first person I looked at is a centerman um Matthias Sapovalev he's a 64 player from um from Czechia he had 52 points in 68 games with the Saginaw Spirit in, of the OHL this year. Uh, by all accounts, he's a great playmaker with great vision, a very good passer, and is also very responsible defensively. Um, he's also no slouch in the face-off circle. So who does that kind of sound like already? Um, it could be a good fit as a second or third line option, development willing, and uh, his skill set is expected to translate very well uh, to in the next level at the next level. So this guy could be a decent pick for us. Um, and as far as our other need, which we're going to have quite, few, quite a few holes in is the uh, left wing. Um, if not for name alone, uh, this player should be on, on everyone's radar, probably Rutger McGordy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. McGordy, I saw his, I, how you say I did it. see yeah. his name. Yeah. <laughs> He's a six foot uh, player from, uh, from the U S um, he, had 69 points in 54 games with the U.S. developmental program this year, uh, but he is now committed to play at the University of Michigan. He's strong. He has really great hockey sense. He's an excellent playmaker with a good finish in front of the net. 
uh, very versatile. And lo and behold, there's also a Sioux connection. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> and as he was quite coveted by the Sioux Greyhounds before he decided to commit and play at, at the NCAA level. So, um, oh, yeah. uh, yeah, like it's, it's a different Kyle that was looking to draft him to the Sioux, but, uh, but still we know that Dubas's ties are, are really, uh, yes. very close there. So, um, so who knows? Yeah. Yeah. No, that <laughs> anything, anything related to the Sioux, you know, that Kyle Dubas is looking at that. But, um, but yeah, like we said, the players that are drafted most likely won't be playing with the Leafs in the next couple of years. But as Kyle Dubas hinted in his season ending press conference, the organization is hoping that one or two Marlies will push for a job at training camp in September. So let's get into some Marlies discussion. One player that's been quite impressive with the Marlies uh, this past season is Joey Anderson. Um, in 56 games, he scored 26 goals, uh, the most on the team. And uh, he is only 23. Uh, he was drafted in 2016, 30, uh, 73rd overall uh, by New Jersey. Uh, he's an, a high-energy player. And I remember when the Leafs acquired him via trade from New Jersey, Rachel Dory, who had worked with the Devils, uh, remarked that he is of the same kind of mold as, say, a Blake Coleman type and Obviously, boy, we know that we could have used someone like that uh, in the playoffs this year, obviously. Yeah. Um, along with his improved scoring touch, he has also consistently improved his defensive game, and he was also a plus eight this season. Yeah, he got called up too, I think, once, he right? Did. Yeah. He has played, but he, he was more, you know, he he got very limited yeah. minutes, so very obviously very sheltered minutes. Yeah. Uh, but he's somebody that uh, I think – should have, um, you know, more of a look if they're going to keep him. I, I, he's also another one that I have heard mentioned in, in potential draft day, uh, trade speculation. So, um, but that's the, yeah. that's the change that I guess Sheldon Keefe is going to have to make to like, and the team, they want to see more Marley's on the team, yeah. right? Uh, the growth within the organization. So he's going to have to give them more opportunity somehow. Um, and yeah, so the next, uh, player that we, looked at as a possibility is coming up from the Marlies and pushing for a job is Bobby McMahon. And he played, he, he's played center, but the Marlies had him on the left wing, which like Sills mentioned before, that could, uh, <laughs> it's definitely going to be an opening there probably, um, for next season. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, with McKay of probably leaving as a UFA and we're not sure about Alexander Kerfoot cause that's another name that, um, always pops up as trade possibilities. But McMahon, it was interesting. He's 25 years old. He can play center and left wing. He began the year with the Leafs ECHL affiliate in Newfoundland, the Growlers. And um, he was an early season call up to the Marlies when Robertson got injured. So that's how he made it onto the, um, onto the Marlies. And then he played on the Marlies top power play unit and he got, 24 goals 11 assists for the season so um yeah he's he's every time i've read a marley's article uh just to try and keep up to date with them like his name is always mentioned so that has to be that's definitely a positive obviously and hopefully he'll push for a job yeah that's an interesting one because we he's not anybody that we've kind of seen yet as a, a call-up right. so um yeah so be interesting to see if he gets a bit of a look. Um, and the last person that we kind of are highlighting a little bit right now is uh, Christians Rubens. He's six foot four, um, 
maybe closer to 6'5", even, 220. He's a left shot D, and he has had uh, some recent call-ups um, in December for three games. Um, he is actually a really great skater for his size. He, he actually trained as a figure skater initially. He comes from like a long line of, of athletes in his family. Oh, really? That's um, interesting. He's from Latvia. Yeah. yeah. And he's big and strong, obviously. He's not super fast, but with his long strides, he more than makes up for that. And uh, one thing he's really great at is uh, retrieving pucks from his own end. Um, in his call-ups this season, that's one thing I did notice, that he did not look out of place. And that's probably the reason reason why. Uh, so, you know, the fact that he's a big guy, strong guy, uh, we could use a little bit more of a presence back there, even especially like if it's like in a third, um, you know, pairing shutdown type of role. So uh, he's obviously another guy that that deserves another look. He's he's also not very old either. I think he's only twenty three as well. So yeah, and he's a he's a left shot D, um, which again we seem yeah. to have plenty of plenty of those. Um, <laughs> but actually, I didn't mention that Tristan Luno going back to the draft. He's a right shot D, mm-hmm. which is something that we. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's highly coveted throughout the league, I think. But um, yeah, but yeah, the left shot D is uh, is something that we have plenty of, and who knows, maybe that's something that Dubis looks at for a, a DL two to try and get uh, more of a right shot defenseman on on the team. But um, but yeah, so um, but he, like you said, Christian Rubens didn't look out of place um, when he yeah, came up no. those those three games in early December. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we all know that drafting and developing players is going to be a huge part and and a big part of the progression for all NHL teams. For the Leafs, there could be also some moves made, like we mentioned uh, before at the draft as well uh, as in free agency, which this year is on July 13th. And to talk about this and a lot more in our third period segment, as we mentioned, we have a special guest, Mike Ogello. Okay, for our third period segment, we want to welcome to the show our special guest, Mike Agello. Uh, Mike is a reporter on the Leafs and the NHL and does a podcast with HockeyBuzz.com. He is also the co-host of Off the Post Radio and the Leafs Convo, and he's a writer for Full Press Hockey. So some of our listeners will also remember Mike as a regular caller post game on AM640 with Andy Frost, where he was also known as Mike in Buffalo. Welcome to the show, Mike. Yeah, welcome. Good afternoon, ladies. <laughs> pleasure, pleasure to be with you. And uh, yeah, it's just you know, I'm, I'm sure this. Well, let's just say that you know, we have to have something to talk about because the Leafs aren't in the playoffs anymore. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But, sadly, that is the case. Mm, but there's yes. always something to talk about with the Leafs. We always oh, find something. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Busy off season. Let's say that. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. hopefully they'll get uh, some some good things done so that we can uh, get a good start to next season. So we want to start off our discussion with you uh, by giving our listeners a little bit more background on your career. So first off, how did you become a Leaf fan uh, growing up in Buffalo? Uh, well, that fault is with my older brother, um, you know, so I blame him for all the pain and misery. Um <laughs> He was, I believe, 10 years old when the Leafs won their cup in 67. So, you know, he being a Buffalo, you know, border town, he got a CBC on, you know, on the rabbit ears on our TV and he was a Leaf fan. Um, I was in the crib at that point. 
Um, and he was watching Leaf games as I grew up, and I just normally gravitated towards watch, you know, t- towards being a Leaf fan. I was, you know, like any young kid, you're not a f- really a fan of a particular team. You're a fan of th- the sport, and you know, I liked Joe Bear Perot and a number of the Sabers. But uh, at a certain point, when you decide on what team you're going to root for, uh, I made the unfortunate decision of being a Leaf fan. <laughs> um, you know, Wendell, Wendell Clark was the guy who swung me over at age 17 or 18 when they drafted him he was you know until till this day is one of my favorite players just because of the way he played but that you know wow. basically that was it I, I became a Leaf fan because of my brother and went to a lot of Leaf Sabres games in Buffalo and those were always interesting because the two fan bases really love each other too very much yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. sure. And a lot of Leaf mm. fans obviously make the trip across the border there. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, so, we don't have a great record. But um, oh no, I, I I tell I tell Leaf fans, do yourself a favor. If you're coming down here for like the beer or the wings, that's great. If you're coming to expect the Leafs to win in Buffalo, don't don't waste your money. I, mean, I understand that it's easier to get tickets down here, yeah. but I one one time uh, uh, Leafs TV had me do a. Uh, uh, sort of a man on the street type of thing, going to interview Lee fans coming down I to think Buffalo. I remember that. Yeah, I was in 07, I believe. Mm-hmm. And of course, they got killed in that game. But, yeah. they, you know, they, but it was like, okay, you do realize that they, they lose here all the time. And they say, oh, we just come down for the fun. It's fun to watch you watch them lose. I mean, okay, whatever. <laughs> but hey. Well, that's the one of the things that I actually love about Leafs Nation, though, is that we follow the team everywhere and you will find huge groups of Leaf fans wherever you go. So you will always find someone, you know, a comrade in arms uh, when you go to a Leaf game uh, somewhere other than Toronto. Yeah, Leafs sure. Nation. Leafs Nation is extremely loyal. That definitely, and I, I, you know, you, you, yes, you will find a Leaf fan in every port in a storm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. So the next question we have for you is: How did you become a regular call-in on AM six forty? I'm really interested in this. I know I, me and my nephew, we always listen to you on the radio coming home from the games, <laughs> and and it's just like we thought: How did this guy? That kind of gig where did it simply just start by calling in every show and it, it it's it's really weird because I I just remember because okay I, I have to say like when I was really young I would call into the Buffalo stations and I you know when they interviewed you know, Scotty Bowman when he was coach of the Sabers or you know Jim Kelly the uh, Hall of Fame hockey writer I would call in and ask Leaf questions when it was when it was Jim Kelly with. Bowman, of course, he didn't care about this about the Leafs. Um, so I did that, and you know, I, I used to call into Fan Five Ninety when Storm and Norman Rumack, or oh yeah, you know, so <laughs> you know, so uh, I looked up where the Leafs were being broadcast, and this was you know 1997, I believe, and Andy Frost had just started Leaf Talk. I was the first year, and I called in. And it was very unusual for somebody outside of the GTA to call into a Toronto radio, especially Definitely. Some, somebody who was a Leaf fan and from, mm-hmm. from the enemy territory in Buffalo. So, you know, I called in like once every once in a while and they realized I, you know, I was, uh, I, I, I was knowledgeable about the game and had an opinion and was emotional and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And after a few times, they, when I called in the next time, they says, we really love you calling in. And they said, could you call in more? And I said, sure. 
the problem was it was at that point it was like it was a long distance phone call and I was getting killed <laughs> with long distance and there wasn't cell phones oh at that point so I was getting killed and I says I you know if you, if I call in can you let me in early because I mean you're keeping me on hold for 45 minutes and that's killing me and they said well we can't do that but what we can do is well if you call in we will call you back. Yeah. And I said, okay, wow. fine. So they started doing that. And then they had an 800 number. And then I was, you know, I, but it was easier after in, in terms of when you had like free long distance, I would just call in on the 416 number and I knew exactly when to call <laughs> because they would open, they would open up the phone. Everybody thought I had like some sort of special yeah. phone line because I would get in all the time. No, I'm, I'm like just, the bat phone. Yeah, right. I'm just, a, I'm just a loser and I knew what time to call in. So I just, I called in at the time and then they would hold me. To the end, to the, they usually right. hold me to the end of the show because they said we got Mike and Buffalo calling yeah. in, and they and they would hold me over. But. Honestly, like we all listened for that, and I think it was because of the the novel part of you being from you know uh, not from not from Canada even, yeah. um, but also because your your analysis was so great, and really we all could relate to the the way you felt and the things you were saying. So so definitely you're you're definitely a pioneer because you know in this podcast age where a lot of people like even us get to say our piece, you know you, those call in pioneers like you are really the first people that kind of started that. Well, I, I told I told Steve Dangle, who I'm very friendly with, that I was Steve Dangle before Steve Dangle. Actually, that's so funny you say that because I, I recently said that myself about you. Yeah. That you're Steve Dangle before Steve Dangle. Yeah, that's Dangle. yeah, that's true. Yeah, man. and and and, and uh, I'm very happy for him. He's turned it into a great yeah. career, and I've turned it into a career. So I, yeah. I I'm yeah. I'm you know, but it's it's funny though. I do get like feedback from some Leaf fans. I was opinionated back in the day and, you know, I would, I like, I would cut up guys like Aki Berg or Corey Cross or mm-hmm. Yurke Loom, you know, like yeah, I was, those, I was, mm-hmm. I was brutal. Yeah. Those, those wonderful guys. Jonas Familiar Holden, guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so like, I was always opinionated about those guys and I was always like, real, not mean to them, but if they played well, I'd, get, I'd give them credit. And if they played badly, I'd rip them to shreds. I do that now and everybody sort of attacks like, boy, you've changed since the days of Mike and Buffalo on the radio. No, I'm the same guy. Believe me. I'm the I same. I agree with that. Yeah. I actually have a question like this sort of leads into the next question I was going to ask you, which is, you know, from your days as a, as a call-in guest, like, first of all, how did you parlay that into what you're doing now? But I guess the other piece of that is, you know, I think once you're sort of a media person, you get a little bit more pressure to be kind of more objective, a little bit more, mm. you know, unbiased. Uh, how do you kind of reconcile uh, that with the gig that you're doing now? Well, okay. I, the hockey buzz gig, again, turned into what I what it is by me calling into uh, a podcast that uh, Eklund uh, ran back in 07 or 08. I, I was following Hockey Buzz like everybody did because it was one of it was one of the first independent hockey sites, not like Sportsnet or TSN, but you know, run by uh, a non-fan who was uh, you know doing it as, as as a place to go to for a hockey community. I would call in, and he had um, a, uh, a Leaf blogger at that point, Howard Berger, and. Uh, Howard Berger had, had ended up either 
quitting or whatever. And there was another leaf blogger who started his own website, a really excellent website called Maple Leaf Hot Stove, Alec Brownscombe. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah. so he was looking for a leaf blogger and I, he knew me. Uh, I'd written an occasional blog and he says, you want the full, the full time leaf job? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. I'd love, I, now at that point, like I, I, I was educated to be a history teacher. I was working at a bank. I really hadn't developed the day-to-day writing skills of a of a hockey blog. And believe me, if you go back to 08 or 09 and read some of the stuff that I wrote at that point, it was hideous. I can say that myself. I developed over time, but I but that was the thing. It's like it was, you know, and like most blogs, you get paid for what volume you bring in in terms of um, in terms of, you know, traffic. So I write every day. I, even during the summer, I come up with writing, uh, uh, you know, sort of historical stuff or, you know, top 40, top 40 prospects or things of that nature. So I write every day. So that, that and I just become accustomed to that. So, uh, as for the ob- objectivity, uh, well, I mean, the thing is, it's like, I can't be a fan anymore. I'm a member of the Professional Hockey Writers Association. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though I was a fan, even though maybe deep down in my heart, I'm still a fan. Sometimes I react like a fan. I, you can't do that in the press box. You can't cheer. You can't clap. You can't do anything. You just, you have, you were there at the, at the behest of the team because, you know, they, and you have to act professionally. So I do. Um, if I'm going to cheer, maybe sometimes I'll cheer when I'm watching the game at home. But the thing is, I've gotten into the habit now where I'm watching it at home and I'm the same way that I am in the press box because I can't differentiate. I have to be professional. And that's what, you know, that's the way I have to remain. Well, I guess that means too that, you know, when you wear that hat now, you kind of are watching in a different way also, you know, mm-hmm. because you now have to record those moments. And so is it would it be safe to say that, you know, your mind is kind of always in that mode in a way that you kind of are, you know, kind of a record keeper in a sense, and you have to, um, you know, be able to create something so that you can have, you know, other listeners or or fans like us, um, you know, be able to understand the moments. I'm, I see that's the thing. I'm naturally opinionated. So it's tough for me to keep my, my opinions to myself, but that was, mm-hmm. that was the way I was before I became a reporter. And some mm-hmm. reporters are the same, are that are the same way or that way too. So I, you know, I'm, I, I can't, I can't stop that. But what I can do is, you know, I, you know, I cannot react emotionally, um, uh, to events, I have to be objective and I have to sort of be dispassionate in the sense of an- being analytical, but not in the analytical, like, uh, you know, mathematical sense, but analytical in terms of looking at the team, looking at the structure of the team, looking what I think they need to do to be a better team and approaching it that way. If you approach it sort of emotionally as a fan would, I mean, I'm sure there are people out there, you know, and, and Steve is like, you know, he's a fan and he reacts, reacts emotionally and that's, and that's his shtick. I, I, you know, I wish I could do that, but, um, you know, I, I can't do that anymore. And, and, um, you know, so I have to look at things that dispassionately and, you know, I mean, I, I still, I, it's tough for me to split that, but, uh, I, I do the best that I well, can. Well, I know, I know I won't be making it any time to the press box. That's for sure. <laughs> I've been too much of a fan. I'm too much of a fan. I'd be like screaming and yelling. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'll be making it there, but, um, all right. Let's get into some leaf talk. Um, because it's another disappointing first round exit. We know it seems like so long ago. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of questions going into 
the off season, and we're going to start off with the goaltending. That's always mm. seems to be the number one topic here. Um, I don't know. I'm lately I've been hearing actually John Gibson's name come up from Anaheim um, mm-hmm. quite a bit, and but obviously Anaheim I would think would want quite a bit going the other way. I actually heard recently that like Nick Robertson would be one part of it, let's just say, because he is a California kid too, um, plus something else. I don't know. But do you think that that's a possibility or do you think that Jack Campbell is like, from what you're hearing, like is the negotiations going better? Cause we kind of heard that they're not going so good and, and that sort of well, thing. I, okay. It's, it's interesting. Cause I, I, the NHL scouting combine was here um, over the weekend. I went to it, and um, you know, when you're in a group with a number of reporters, you start to hear things. And now, I had heard that, the, like you just said, the talks with Campbell had not gone well. Um, that there was sort of like a staring contest going on right now, because from what I hear. Um, Campbell is looking for a long-term contract and probably around $5 million because guys like Elvis Merzlikens and uh, Ilya Sorokin and um, Cal Peterson and Linus Allmark, they all signed over the last, I'd say, you know, 12 to 18 months for around $5 million. Um, from what I was told by somebody, the Leafs, they love Campbell. They love his personality. They don't think he's a five million dollar goaltender, and the questions about him. Now he 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 played well in both playoff series, but he he didn't make the big save when they needed it. And there's a, still a question of durability. He's been hurt every year, so the question is, you know, if they could get him at a lower rate, um, maybe they'd be interested in signing him. I don't think they've closed the door on it, but I do think that they have a certain amount that they're willing to spend on him. And um, I've heard the stuff about John Gibson. I think everybody has. He's supposedly on the market. I think the developmental window of the Anaheim Ducks, basically, I think he's got three years left at like around $6.2 million. And they probably think that they're not going to be competitive in that window. So he's, I think he's 29 years old. So their, their thought process is let's, let's get younger or let's, uh, you know, Let's move him out and get a good return. Um, I think the Leafs would be s- stupid if they weren't interested in Gibson. But I don't think that a Nick Robertson deal... I, I like Nick Robertson, to my mind, is the guy that's going to replace Ilya Mikheyev in the top six. At least that's what they, they hope for him. I mean, I, I've been ringing this bell and banging this drum for about four years. This season should be the last season that William Nylander plays in Toronto. And if it's a William Nylander for John Gibson deal where the, where the salaries are about a wash, I think they'd save about $700,000 on it. I would sign up for that. Not because William Nylander's not a good player, but I just think that there needs to be a paradigm shift in the core group of this team, and they need a goaltender. And if they could do a deal that involved Nylander and Gibson – I think they they would do it. Now, I don't know whether Anaheim is interested in Neilander, but that's the kind of deal I would do. Yeah. Well, they've got some guys that they need to replace there also, you know, um, and they're they've so they've they're going to have to make some moves as well. And one thing we actually talked about, Willie, a little bit on our last episode. And one thing is that, you know, 
he's he's a guy like if you see the way he played for Team Sweden, mm-hmm. we wonder if he's kind of a guy that needs to be the guy, you know, like he needs more of a more spotlight on him, which maybe he's not going to get here necessarily. And on a rebuilding Anaheim team, maybe he would get that. If I had a dollar for every DM that I got from a Leaf fan who was pissed off at the fact that Nylander was hitting and checking (laughs) in the games for Sweden, and then I put that side-by-side with the video where he dogged it going into the corner with Eric Cernak. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I think William, like, William Nylander may be the Corey Cross or Aki Berg of, of the 20, you know, the late, uh, 2019s and 2020s in terms of my focus on him because he's got immense talent. He's, he, he could be as talented or maybe even more talented than Austin Matthews. He just doesn't put it together. He does it when he feels like it. And I, I know that that drove, that drove Sheldon Keefe nuts when he was coaching the Marlies in 2016 when I was covering them. He benched Nylander in the playoffs and the next day, next game, he came out and scored a hat trick. So it's like, He's better than he was. He's more consistent, but he still does it. And they, it, it seems the first half of this year, he was fantastic. And then all of a sudden, and I come up with this, I have this little game where I refer to him either as Dr. Neilander and Miss, or Mr. Willie, like Dr. <laughs> Jekyll and Mr. And Hot, Mr. He was Dr. Neilander for the first 30, 35 games. And then Mr. Willie came out of nowhere and kept popping up at the worst possible time. So, yeah. I'm not saying trade them for nothing. I'm saying I think if to change this group, they need to, you know, somebody, uh, I think it was Chris Johnson or Elliot Friedman said that they need to do a Kawhi Leonard for, uh, um, DeMar DeRozan type deal. Trading Nealander is a, is that type of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Back to the goaltending for a second. Mm, yes. With Columbus, I noticed that, uh, that Jonas Corp, I think it's Jonas Corpusalo. He's a UFA next season. Do you mm-hmm. think that there's a possibility there maybe for a deal with Columbus? If I was thinking actually to send Willie there and maybe get <laughs> get something well, else from besides Corpus. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I the, think that they'd be getting a lot of Mr. Willie if they, if you sent him to Columbus. Well, maybe. <laughs> the, 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 un, the unusual thing about Corpus Allo is that he was under contract. He had a short-term deal. I think he was making about $2.8 million. And he had hip surgery this off season just before the trade deadline. And he re-signed in Columbus for like 1.3 million. So I think the recognition there is he's probably going to be out early, early in the season. And uh, he's sort of doing them a solid since they paid, since they paid him while he was hurt. They're doing him a solid. Uh, do I think he's an option going forward? Um, Probably not. I mean, I, I, I talked about this with uh, some reporters and names like, I mean, obviously Mark Andre Fleury, but he's 40 years old. Yeah. Um, the goalie market. I was looking at the UFA goalie market. That's why I picked Corpus Allo. I was looking at like Merz Lakins mm. and that. And I'm like, there's no goalies out there like for that I yeah. see anyways on the UFA other than have doing a trade basically. Well, and uh, like there's okay. The, the short-term possibilities are guys like Simeon Varlamov with the Islanders because they have Sorokin. And Varlamov is making $5 million bucks, and he's only got a year left in his contract. So that's that, that's one possibility. The other one, and I didn't realize this until I was talking to a reporter and real, realized and we know that we know that this is always a key in terms of the Maple Leafs and in terms of their trade targets. This guy played for Kyle Dubas and 
Sheldon Keefe in Sault Ste. Marie. And his name is Robin Leonard. And we know, mm. we know that Robin Leonard, um, is probably on the outs in Vegas. Vegas. Now he had surgery. He's, you know, but the Vegas needs to open up salary because, and they may, they may go with Logan Thompson, the cheap goaltender as their number one because he played well at the end of the year. Um, there's some questions about Leonard, but honestly, if they don't go with Campbell, any option is going to be a question mark. There's going to be something there that we're not 100% sure about. I mean, we know that, you know, Peter Morazic, I mean, I've heard buyout. Mm-hmm. I've heard LTIR. I've heard trade and they retain salary. I, the only thing I haven't heard is him staying. So I, I don't think that, that that's, that's an answer. Or, or Roby Island. <laughs> well, that, that, yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. All right. All right. So let's move on to uh, some questions regarding the D, uh, mm-hmm. particularly we're looking at the right side. So uh, we discussed in our last episode that we have a need for an experienced uh, D man to play on the right side. Are there any trade possibilities or maybe free agency uh, picks that uh, you think could be in the works? Well, first internally, I, I think that they would like to bring Ilya Labushkin back. I think he played well in a, in his role. I, I, I don't think he's well uh, defined as a top-pairing compatriot for Morgan Riley, but he did do a decent job uh, filling in in that. Um, I think the right side on with Morgan Riley is going to be back to TJ Brody. The question is, I mean, the funny thing is what, what's going on with the right may have to do what with what they do on the left because mm-hmm. right now they have – you know, Giordano back. They have Muzzin with two years left. They have Riley long term. They have Rasmus Sandin as a, as a young and improving defenseman. Um, there's some talk about maybe Sandin being played on the right side. He didn't play that well doing that for a couple games, but that's not, you know, if he works on it in the summer, maybe, maybe he plays better. You know, he's a really intelligent kid and a lot, very talented. So I think he could pull that off. Um, you know, so if they don't go with Labushkin, I mean, right now, uh, you know, definitely they're going to re-sign Timothy Liljegren because I think he grew into his role. I think he played really well. Brody will be another one of the right side guys. I I believe we've seen the last of Justin Hall in a Leaf uniform. I think they're going to trade him because they need to clear the $2 million and they probably need the draft pick um, to get that they get back in a potential Hall deal. The name that I heard out there, and I, I won't believe it until I see it. And it would it would require him to take less money like Giordano did. Let me take is a PK, guess. Yes, is PK Subban? <laughs> yeah, that's who I was mm. going to say. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'll say this because I know people who observed Subban in New Jersey. He is not the PK Subban that played in Montreal. He is no. not. He you know, he he's slower. Um, you know, he had a habit of slew footing people because I think he was, you know, he did that because he's slower. Because he's slower. <laughs> uh, he doesn't have as big a shot as he used to with the Canadians. Now, that being said, if you're talking about a bottom pairing of of two former Norris Trophy winners and Giordano and Subban, okay, I'm sure a lot of Lee fans would sign up for that, but, um, not at the cost of, I mean, you've got to find out what you have in Sandine and Lilligren. You got to let them play full time. Um, I think maybe they bring in a, a veteran righty as a sort of fallback in case somebody gets hurt. But 
Uh, I think I think they're going to give Sandine an opportunity. Now, the thing is, if they decide they're going to trade Jake Muzzin, which, uh, you know, I've heard rumors. I don't, you know, I don't know whether they can pull that off or whether that's even a good thing to do. Um, then that could change the entire picture. But, uh, you know, if they trade Muzzin, then they'd be clearing out salary to maybe uh, open up to get somebody in here as a right shot defenseman. But, you know, that, that'll take a lot of legwork by Kyle Dubas this summer. Mm-hmm. For the for the right shot D, would I don't know much about this guy, but I was looking again on Cap Friendly and seeing the possibilities for the UFAs. What about this Colin Miller? Colin Miller in Buffalo, for, like is he? Well, he was hurt the second half of the year, and again, he he fits the qualifications of a Toronto Maple Leaf acquisition because he played for the Sioux. Oh, um, okay. and um, he was a Boston Bruin uh, defenseman, and when the expansion draft with for for Vegas happened in 2017 there were a lot of rumors that Vegas was going to acquire him and flip him flip him to Toronto um that didn't end up happening and he had a, he had a couple good years with Vegas then went to Buffalo um he hasn't had a really good time in Buffalo he's been paid well but hasn't really played well um, if you're talking about somebody coming in on, say, a veteran minimum or low contract, that's mm-hmm. a possibility because they do know him from his days with the with the Greyhounds. But as as a top six, I don't know if his you know he's I think he's under thirty years old, but I don't know whether his days are done as an as a yeah. viable top six defenseman. Yeah, he's twenty nine. Then the other guy I saw, but was um, I don't know what happened to him when the Oilers. I think it was the Oilers that trade him. Ethan Bear that went well, to it, Carolina. He's it, a UFA as well. Well, uh, okay, because I thought he, I thought he was an I thought he was an RFA, but the weird, RFA. the the weird the weird thing about him is that he was part of the deal for Warren Fogel, and everybody thought that Carolina robbed uh, Edmonton on that deal, especially since Edmonton is defensively inept, and he was a pretty good defenseman. Um, Rob Brendamore didn't play Ethan Bear yeah. in the playoffs, which was bizarre. That's what I noticed. Um, yeah. Now they may not qualify him, and he may end up being a UFA. So okay. if that's the case, I mean that may maybe somebody who uh, could be a target. The, the the big name potential target is John Klingberg. Yeah, and still, eh? Yeah, and the and, and now the thing is, is that Klingberg sort of fits the the Dubis Keefe mode of a offensive defenseman. He'd be a power play quarterback, big shot. Um, Problem is, he's not very good defensively, and he was like a minus twenty something with Dallas, and then like most of the other defensemen were plus. So he's he's a high risk guy, and like that, I don't think that that's the type of defenseman that they need, but that's the type of defenseman mm-hmm. they usually usually like. Right. All right. Okay, so we're gonna move on to another question, just about your thoughts on the captaincy on the Leafs captaincy. Mm-hmm. We're just wondering, do you think Tavares will eventually? pass the captaincy on to Matthews to Austin Matthews do you think there's any possibility of that something like when because obviously we know Matthews's extension is coming up after next season he they can uh qualify him I guess to extend him but do mm-hmm. you think maybe like something like that becomes a part of the deal to try and keep Matthews here or or like do you think Matthews wants to the other part is too do you think Matthews I think he likes would like to stay here but do you think he has other thoughts, maybe, or just want well, your thoughts okay. on that. It's two parts. On, on yeah, on Matthews, from reporting from 
people like Elliot, who I have a lot of regard for, and Chris Johnston, you know, Pierre Lebrun, there's been no indication that Austin Matthews is, you know, counting the days until he can sign with the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> um, the, 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 the Leafs, you know, the Leafs are contenders, even though they can't get out of the first round. And as long as the organization is trying to win, uh, he likes it here. I mean, it's a big city, you know, he's, uh, I mean, I think he would, he's, potentially the first player that could earn 20% of the cap. And I think that they would, they would probably do that. I mean, maybe he would not want that simply because uh, then it would be tougher to bring in other players, but I think he, you know, he's going to, he would at least exceed Connor McDavid on a new deal. Um, do I think the captaincy is important to him? I think down the line it is, but I don't think it's, I mean, the interesting thing is we, we've seen that, you know, Joe Thornton come here and Patrick Marlowe come here and they were influenced by those veteran guys. And in San Jose, after, at a certain point, they passed the captaincy from, I think, Marlowe to Thornton or Thornton to Marlowe's. And, you know, I, I mean, so, but I, I don't think they're going to do that in terms of like the ripping the captaincy out of Tavares's hands. Um, they were, John Tavares is well respected in that room. I, I, don't think I, I expect that when Tavares's contract is up, that he will sign here again for a lesser amount because he'll be in his mid thirties. I mean, I might be wrong, but mm-hmm. you know, he, he came here, signed here for eleven million dollars, which was considerably less than San Jose offered him on a, on a long term deal. So I think he wants to end his career here and hopefully win a cup here. And if that's the case, like if he signs an extension here, then maybe at that point. They would pass the pass the baton to Austin Matthews, but I don't think it's going to be an issue. Uh, like, oh, you've got to make me captain, or I'm going to leave. I, I don't think it's going to be that. All right. all right, that's interesting. Okay, well, so I guess we're going to see how it all rolls out. Um, but uh, before we move on with you, Mike, we want to uh, have a little bit more fun and ask you a few quick questions to learn a little bit more about uh, Mike Ojello, the the fan. Okay? okay. So Chris, you go ahead and you ask the first question. Yeah. yeah so we're allowing you to be a fan on our show. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll, get my, I'll get my pom-poms up. <laughs> so start off with an easy one. Growing up, who was your favorite hockey player when you were a kid? Well, up until the age of 17, it was Gilbert Perro because um, he was exciting and fantastic, you know, end-to-end rushes. And I would say after the age of 17, it was Wendell Clark. Um, I, you know, him fighting and scoring goals. And, you know, he was just, you know, and it's, believe me, I bumped into Wendell Clark in my capacity as a reporter at Leaf Games, and it's still, you know, like, I'll say hello and, like, you know, don't, not wrecking, not really realizing it's Wendell and then Oh shit! It's one to one. You know, and yeah, it's 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 you know, and other reporters. I know that I think uh, uh, CJ Chris Johnston is like, well, if I ever see, ever see Doug Gilmore, it's like, yeah, you flash back to when you know, nineteen ninety three. Right. It's Doug Gilmore. You can't, you just can't help it. So I can, I can bump into Wayne Gretzky, not that I have, and say, oh, I, well, okay, I'll give you this. I ran into Bobby Orr at a Leaf game. Walked up to him, said, Mister Orr, it's a great pleasure. Shook his hand, very gracious, very nice. It was it was great, and there was awe there. But there's almost as much or more awe for me when it's Wendell Clark, and it doesn't make any sense, but it is. Oh, it makes okay, sense. Okay, so then that's my my favorite player too. So. There you go. You love Genesis, and you love Wendell Clark. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. pieces in my book. So, um, 
piggybacking on that then, so do you own a Leafs jersey with a number on it? And if so, whose name and number is on it? Uh, the only Leaf jersey I own with a number on it is Wendell Clark. Yeah. Uh, and he actually autographed it. And this is, again, before I was a reporter, when the during the 04-05 season when there was the lockout, the um, I don't think they were the Marlies at that point. I think they were still St. John's. Uh, Leafs came to Buffalo to play a game against the Rochester Americans, and they had the blue ice, which was, I don't know why they did that. But Wendell Clark came down uh, on a bus with a bunch of fans, and it was, it was an AM640 thing. And he signed my jersey. And that's the only, uh, every other Leaf jersey I have has no number on the back. I, because, you know, the, and it's just after, after that, it's like, you know, if it was Darcy Tucker, he gets traded or whoever, you yeah, know, the, the player gets, the player gets traded. Yeah. So it's like, it's I mean, tough to buy one these days. Yeah. So yes, Wendell Clark is the only Leaf jersey that I have a number. Uh, that's the only Leaf jersey I have that number 17. All right. And what's a favorite moment you remember from a hockey game? Like a favorite moment. Oh, okay. I'll give you one from my youth. Um, it was probably 78 or, yeah, probably 1978-79 season, Leafs playing in Buffalo. They were leading four to three, which is a miracle. <laughs> um, the, it was late in the game. The, the Sabres were just about to pull their goaltender, Donnie Edwards, I believe was the goalie. And Daryl Sittler and Lanny McDonald come down on a two-on-one break. And my brother and I had moved down from the like what would be the purples at uh, the odd, which, you know, they, you know, they were the oranges, had moved down to the lower section because people had started, you know, idiots started to leave. I don't know. I can't imagine anybody leaving in a 4-3 game, but they did. Um, and we had moved down to the lower sections. And I was standing. There is a stairway that would that was uh, went down to where the Zamboni came out uh, at the odd. And I was standing on the top level of the stairway. Sittler and McDonald come down on a two-on-one. Jim Schoenfeld is playing defense. Sittler feathers a pass over to Lanny McDonald. And in one motion, it's a one-timer. He blows it by Don Edwards. And the puck has hit the twine. And Don Edwards, about three seconds after, did went like grazed his glove like <laughs> like he was trying to stop it to make himself look good. But it, the puck, you know, the puck had already gone in the net and the Leaf fans were already cheering and he goes like this. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? But it was, I mean, it was just seeing that up close. And this is before yeah. netting behind the net. So mm -hmm. if that shot would have gone, well, I, I probably would have, you know, gotten hit and go tumbled on the stairs. But yeah. Lanny McDonald picked the top corner. So yeah, oh, that, wow. that's a great early memory. Yeah, that's cool. That is actually a really, really great story. And one that probably most of our listeners have not heard. So so thank you very much for that. It's a great memory. Um, so we know that you, like us, love the Leafs, or you did in your former incarnation. <laughs> right. um, and you could, you can still say that on our show. So but if you couldn't cheer for them, um, which team would be your second choice as uh, as a team that would be your favorite as a oh, fan? Boy, that's tough. I mean, I do like. Okay, I, I do like the. I'll, I'll pick like one of the teams that's currently in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I do like the New York Rangers. Um, Shesterkin is an excellent goaltender. 
You know, they have Panarin. They have a young defenseman, Adam Fox, who's probably going to win multiple Norris trophies. You know, they built the team the right way in terms of they, they tanked for a year or two and they brought in Lafreniere and Kako. I mean, you know, they kept some of their own players like Kreider, but they've made some good trades. I mean, I just like the way the team is built. Um, I can't be a fan. I can't be a fan of mm-hmm. any other Canadian team. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm one of those people. I mean, forgive me, Canada, but I will celebrate. I will pop champagne when the Edmonton Oilers lose because I don't, I, I, you know, I, here's the fan in me. I don't want any other Canadian team other than the Maple Leafs winning the Stanley Cup after 30 years. I want mm-hmm. them to be the first one. Now they have to get out of the first round to do it, yeah. but. Yeah, I, I, you know, so I can't root for Vancouver or Edmonton or Calgary or Winnipeg or anybody. Honestly, I think that's a very Canadian thing that you just said. Mm-hmm. I, I really feel like most Canadians are like that. Like we have such strong ties to our teams that, yeah, like if if your team's not in it, you're not you're not shifting your vote to anybody else. But the funny thing is, is that like media members who I know and respect. They're like, oh, let's everybody get behind the Montreal Canadiens and they're running yes. the Stanley Cup. No, 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 no. no. Definitely no. no on that one. No, no, no. Can't do it. And Sorry. They don't cheer for us. So, I mean, no. we're the, the Leafs are probably the most hated from the Canadian, like the Canadian fan, fan bases around the league for the, the Canadian teams. Uh, I don't know I'd why, still, but... I, I still think that the person who lit the CN Tower last year in Blue Blanc and Rue should be fired. Yes, totally. Yeah, yeah. totally. All right. The last question we have for you, um, we have a segment called On the Road with Chris and Sill, uh, where we talk about road trips. And okay. for any fans traveling to Buffalo to see the Leafs, what's the best spot for a pregame meal, would you say? Okay, I will uh, first I'll give you as usual the anti answer here. <laughs> do not do not do not go to the Anchor Bar. It is a tourist really? trap. Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. It is okay. a tourist trap. The wings are overpriced, overrated. I would not I would not go there. Okay. Um and That's why we added this question cuz we knew that you would you would give us the the real deal. <laughs> now, there are a number there are a number of places that are excellent in terms of if you're talking about wings. Yeah. Um, there's a place called Bar Bill in South Buffalo that's excellent. There's another, there are a number of locations of Duff's wings that are really, really good. Uh, my personal favorite is Gabriel's Gate in Allentown. It's fantastic food, really good wings. I was there with a couple of reporters. Uh, on Saturday, it's you know I, I I didn't I used to not mention them because I wanted to keep it to my to secret to myself, but everybody knows about it anyway, so that's the place to go. But if I had to recommend one place, it'd be Gabriel's Gate. Okay, that's cool. really good. Yeah, they should they should give me money. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we want to thank you for being uh, a guest coming on the show, Mike. Um, it's been an honor because we. I always used to listen to you. Well, both me and Sil too. We used to listen mm-hmm. to you as Mike and Buffalo on the on the radio, so many years ago. And um, just your knowledge and insight on the game, it's it's great. And we really appreciate you coming on the show. The honor is mine. And anytime you want me to come on, let me know. And uh, I want to say congratulations to you for turning your passion into your life's work. Now I think that it's uh, amazing. And um, I'm, we're like so happy for you that things have worked out this way for you. Um, couldn't happen to a better person. Thank you. And I, I have to, I have to say this. It's like the great, one of the greatest thrills. You know, I um, this year was the first year 
because um, I'm a member of the PHWA that I was selected to vote on the postseason awards. Wow. And like when the when the Selkie Trophy voting came out and Frank Cervelli tweeted out the list of like 195 writers, my name was on there. And it's like, I used to pick the awards when I was like, you know, 15 years old. Yeah. yeah and okay, Doug Jarvis is going to win the Selkie. You know, like, <laughs> okay. It's like, I, I, I actually did that, did that for the first time and it was a great thrill. And it's like, now I, yeah. now I can die in peace. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Leafs have well, to win Blake? the cup. That's <laughs> yes. That, that, uh, yeah. You got to wait for that. So then, yeah, then put me down for the dirt now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike, thanks thanks again and and we reserve the right to call you back on our show again. We hope that you'll join us again another time uh because I think that our fans will definitely love your analysis and and you know your opinions on things and and of course, you can show a little bit of your fandom here, so hopefully that will be a little bit of a good comfort thing. <laughs> so thanks again. Right. Thank, thank you. you. Okay, thank you again to Mike for joining us. Um, it was fun and informative, and he had some interesting thoughts on what direction the team could be going when it comes to trade possibilities and uh, free agency. Yeah, it was definitely, he gave us uh, some really, really interesting insights. So it's going to be interesting to see how things roll out in, in the summer. Yeah. And before we go, just a reminder, the NHL awards are happening on June 21st. And uh, Austin Matthews has already won the Rocket Richard Trophy, having most goal goals in the regular season. He's also nominated for the Hart Trophy as league MVP and the Ted Lindsay Award, which is the most outstanding player and is voted on by the players. And of course, our Scarborough boy, yay, Michael Bunting, is also nominated for the... Um, for the Calder Trophy, so as for Rookie of the Year, so we'll we'll see how um, how we how we do in the awards. So it's I guess are they actually having like a like I know they're having the broadcast. Are they actually having? The, I guess this year they're probably going to have the players there and everything. So are they going to have all the fanfare I like they normally do? I don't know. It's odd because the Stanley Cup Final is still going to be going on then. So I I couldn't I oh true yeah I kept. I, I look like oh yeah so strange. maybe they're not gonna do like a like but they the, say it's uh, gonna be on Sportsnet but maybe it's gonna be virtual something virtual yeah could it's be it's very odd because know. the Norris Trophy the two candidates Hedman and Makar are gonna be playing right yeah <laughs> so they're not obviously it's not gonna be a, the glitzy splashy red carpet event I thought they might do that That's this year I because thought. you know. COVID is a lot better now. And, yeah. you know, in the States, they're not usually <laughs> as worried about that sort of thing. And they've, there's been other awards shows like the Oscars and things like that. So, yeah, but, um, I, I, but yeah. I double checked and I was like, okay, that's kind of odd. The finals are still going on. But anyhow, that's what yeah. they've decided. Uh, probably it has to do with the fact that we still had that longer break in and things are delayed a little bit more than they thought they were going to be. So, yeah. Anyway, anyhow, so and we'll see what happens, but yeah. uh, pretty sure, uh, and pretty sure, uh, AM34 is gonna win, even though I know the Connor McDavid fans were constantly cheering MVP in the uh, yeah, in during the but this is for the regular season, you, know, you gotta remember that. I heard, I heard <laughs> Connor has to make some renovations to his home to increase the size of his trophy case, anyways. Oh, yeah. So he, he can wait yeah. another season yeah. to get his next one, yeah, really. Oh, <laughs> uh, and so continuing on, we, we do have a scheduling update to let you know about. Um, our next show will be. The start of our 
very successful and much anticipated patio season episodes. And we will be publishing monthly for the summer going forward. So our patio season uh, will will air on the first Wednesday of the month, which means our next episode will be July 6th. Of course, if there are any blockbuster deals or big news related to the Leafs, you will hear from us and we will do a bonus episode. So the easiest thing for you to do is to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts and you won't miss a thing, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to, just follow us and uh, and you won't miss anything. Also, be sure to follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our handle is at LTL1917. And a reminder to be sure to leave us a rating or review and let us know what you think of the show. It's easy on Apple and Spotify, and it's important for our show to get exposure as a source for Leaf content. And we thank you for taking the time. And another way to help us out is by visiting our Ko-fi page at ko-fi.com. You can follow us there. And if you choose to, you can support us by buying us a coffee. Any donation goes towards helping us produce the show and making it even better for you. And you can find the link to our Ko-fi page on our show notes or in any of our social media profile pages. And we, again, want to thank our healthcare workers and first responders for everything that they continue to do. But before we go, we also want to mention to our Canadian and U.S. listeners that we'll be celebrating Canada Day and the 4th of July. Please do enjoy. Yep. But for now, go, go leave, go. go.